This is Kevin Alaka, the head of Culture and Trends at YouTube and author of Videocracy, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. And fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels that are shaping our culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and check it out. I'm coming at you once again this week from the Can Lions Festival of Creativity. Uh, it's the annual gathering of the global advertising marketing industries held in Cannes, France. Uh, I get down there to meet interesting people and bring them to you on our show. So I got to sit at the uh, YouTube Beach Club on the beautiful Quazette in Cannes uh, with Kevin Alaka. He's the head of trends and culture at YouTube. Um, he's had a great TED Talk. He's got a great book out. Um, and he's helping people all around the world understand why certain videos go viral and what they can do to make their content better. And so we talk about his path personally from, from his background in journalism into what he does at YouTube and how he manages to stay awake watching uh, video after video for uh, what seems like his entire life. And um, just some, some insights that he gets into what's happening with culture from his perspective. It's a great talk, it's short. You'll hear maybe some background noise from all the goings on at the Beach Club, uh, but I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it right after our EDM.com track of the week. like that one get over to edm.com and check out more new music and now let's get into it with kevin alaka i skimmed through who was on the show and i was like this is legit so oh cool yeah yeah i appreciate it um you know it's about people that are making careers out of creativity yeah and uh and building culture and obviously you know not only is, is youtube such a huge part of culture but um you know, you seem to be kind of stepping out with the book and, and speaking. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about how, um, we, you know, the, the founders of the big social media companies are household names. Mm -hmm. They've kind of become rock stars. People don't really know who founded YouTube. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, you know, it's and the company in general has kind of kept a low profile. Yeah. So I'm interested to talk a little bit about kind of you and your journey. Sure. And why you're doing that? Um, but I always like to start with a, a question back from the beginning. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Yes. So, uh, like, okay, this is a good, a good question. So I remember, um, like, when I was cognizant of it, like, uh, like yeah. you know, when I could yeah, buy yeah. it. When yeah, I was, yeah I not like mom got thing. it for exactly. You. Right. So I can think of two. The first tape was Whoop There It Is. I was growing oh, up in Miami, nice. so at the time, so that sound was like everywhere. I mean, in Miami, it's required. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It was part of the education of growing up in Miami. Yeah. And the first CD was Ace of Bass. Okay. Because uh, uh, that album was like blowing up right right there. Sure. And now I'm like, I can't believe that was, that's my legacy. Is my first <laughs> album was the the sign or whatever. You know? Oh man, that's crazy. And do you remember the first time you discovered YouTube? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think like, so YouTube would have launched when I was like in my, um, going into my senior year of college and okay. there was like, a, there was definitely a, a, um, yes. So there was definitely a, um, like a, a culture of sharing clips around sure. the dorms and yeah, stuff yeah. and like we're like e-bombs world and all these other sites were like really popular at that For time. Sure. And then I saw, and then people started sharing YouTube clips. I don't remember what the first video was it's probably like some dan weird dance video or something yeah um, but there's a lot of like kind of those fun random international clips that's right. what i remember most in the early days like wow I, I, this weird clip from japan like yeah. you know stuff that i would never be able to see yeah you know? it's funny i mean youtube uh it kind of like obviously i remember a time before youtube and you know i i have a nine-year-old son so we use it daily mm -hmm. to like look stuff up that he's trying to understand or learn yeah. or he plays music so he's constantly but um but it also sort of feels like it's always been there mm -hmm. you know very much different to say a twitter or facebook where you know the they had this kind of explosion of virality yeah where youtube's kind of had that for videos but mm -hmm. the service has just sort of become part of our daily lives yeah i mean for a long time it was the social video infrastructure of the entire internet yeah. and now like there are lots of other sure. platforms that have video built into them but i think the search quality of it the ability to just go and retrieve whatever you're looking for is the one of the unique defining things about it like yeah. the volume mixed with that technology yeah and that makes it like feel like so it feels similar to google in that way where it's like i don't remember what it was like when i like had to go look up a definition in an actual dictionary it was the worst <laughs> yeah it was terrible yeah um I, yeah, I just remember like not knowing stuff. We're here in Europe, you know, beautiful can, and uh, I came here when I was 18. And like, we didn't know anything, and we yeah. didn't have any way of finding out other than dated travel books, which we weren't going to read. Right, yeah. And so you just stumble your way through, and now it's like a completely different experience. It absolutely is. It's changed. I mean, how you even book rooms here, and like, how yeah. you like find out, you know, um, you know, would you want to eat for dinner? <laughs> it's right. like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It, for yeah. sure. Um, if you were going to be a YouTuber, what kind of videos would you make? Ooh, good question. So I used to make videos um, when I, I, so I started my career at the Huffington Post uh -huh. um, doing political satire. And yeah. we used to do these like mashup videos. And so I like used to be very obsessed with like remix culture and, and that stuff. But I love the video essay format, like uh, where people, you know, kind of like, do deep critiques of, of things using uh, using lots of clips. It's become yeah. increasingly popular, and it's stuff I love watching. And so that's probably what I would end up making because I think that like you know people are always, I, a lot of people ask me like 
like, I think I have an idea for a YouTube channel. Or now they're like, I think I have an idea for a book or whatever. The principle, same principles apply, which is like, what do you want to just be obsessed with for a very extended amount of time? Yeah. And for most people, the question between like, what's a good business opportunity for them and what they want to be obsessed with doesn't always align. Right. But when those two things do align, that's how you can do it. You know? Well, that seems to be the problem for brands, I think. And, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated. I work with brands in my kind of day job. And, um, you know, it seems like, I mean, I know this isn't exactly true, but it seems like it's easy for some random kid to get, you know, a viral video and a huge number of followers. And yet the biggest brands in the world really struggle with it. Um, and, you know, it feels like it's that what you're saying, right? That the kid is just making stuff that he loves. Yeah. I mean, there's the, 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 dis the, the challenge for, for, for a lot of brands who are trying to compete in the same way with that type of content. Yeah. This is actually a lot of very effective paths that like don't go that route. Sure. But, like for, for those that for those that do, I mean you're competing against like pure authenticity, people who are just right. themselves, like actual individual people. It's very hard and, and it's it's you you see brands that are able to do it, but it's very difficult to sort of create the same dynamic as as a as a real person, as a company. Like, yeah. you know, and there are companies that are able to do that, but it's you know you're at an inherent like disadvantage already because you're 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 sort of the medium is built around personality and conversation and communication. So yeah. what is the right way for brands? What do you see brands doing that not only gets like a lot of views, but you know you're the you're the trends and culture guy, right? So yeah. who are the brands that are actually impacting culture through video? I mean, there's there are a, a lot now. Um, I mean, I think this week you hear a lot of people talking about Nike, right? And yeah. the way that that I think a lot of brands um, are successful. And I, you know, someone mentioned this at a, a, a panel that I was at yesterday is by being a platform for people, right? right. Like you get that. That's another sort of tactic that you can yeah. employ, which is like, okay, like we are we are a company, but this person's values align with our values. Like we can give them a platform to to speak. And so you, you see that a lot. You see other brands that are. Um, experimenting with like, okay, we're going to actually try to understand this, this space, this environment. We're going to make ASMR advertisements. We're going to mm -hmm. make um, untraditional types of content. We're going to partner with like creators that actually know how to navigate this space and that can represent us in a way that aligns with what we want to say and, 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 and be about. Um, and, you know, there's like, it, it's a funny, it's really funny actually who is... Um, is good at this. It's not always like just right. about money really, yeah. or about like strategy and things. Uh, I was just in, in, in Germany with, with Angela and, um, the, uh, like the, everybody was telling me about how the German army is like very successful at like, creating like series that people that really connect with people, wow. you know? And that's cool. it's like, you know, I, you know, I remember years ago, like the department of transportation in the U S like had a whole thing with Rhett and Link that was like really successful about how to like, you know, not text and drive and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it weren't, it wasn't all about just like dumping money places. It was sure. about just being really thoughtful about like, what are we trying to say? Who can we work with to do something creative? And I think that like, that's kind of what can is meant to celebrate, I suppose, is people are able to do that successfully. You know? Yeah. So talk about this idea of trends and culture within YouTube. Why, um, why does, why does YouTube need a head of culture and, and why are you the right person for that? You, <laughs> I've seen you talk about, you know, you have a background in journalism, you're not yeah. a marketer. Um, so t tell me about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, it started because it's kind of, I think the evolution of it is kind of interesting, right? Like when I started, I had been a journalist for a little bit. I had been a comedy writer before that. 
I knew a lot about pop culture. I knew a lot about the media industry from my, when I covered the, that beat. Yeah. And um, YouTube was just simply trying to get, there was this idea that all these viral videos were out there that everybody was talking about. It was becoming pop culture. This is like 2010. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of the news networks and, and things like couldn't find them. They just didn't know where, like what was legit, what was happening. And then meantime, you had, at the same time, you had um, a lot of these um, major like uh, events that were happening that were being documented entirely through web video. You know, Arab Spring happened like, yeah. a couple weeks after I had started. So um, there was this idea of like, could we like use data and observation and things to try to like aggregate a lot of this stuff to help other people find it? Turns out that like yes, that was very helpful for journalists, but there's a lots of like applications for that. Um, and so eventually, like that bled into like how we talk to advertisers. It bled into how we talk to our consumers like we bled into how we you know do our campaign so I, I ran YouTube Rewind for many years just like our big end of the year right. kind of to do um, I like we, I work on a lot of different product features that actually surface and help people discover what's popular on the mm. site the thing is like YouTube is so so like uh, so big and there's so many different activities that are happening all at once that to actually just get a sense for like what are the big things that people are talking about it's, it's, the app is not designed to show you that. It's designed right. to show you what's what you want to watch, sure. right? And so yeah. when people have those questions, which can be as simple as what is the biggest video, you know, in Mexico of all time, like someone's right. got to answer those questions. And right. we are that team, thankfully, yeah. which is really fun. And I learned a lot of what I know on the job and through like just developing my own my own skills, like, you know, working with data, working with um, with product and engineering teams and now, like, I'm, I feel like I'm in a whole other world and place from where I was when I was a, a journalist and, and, a, and a comedy writer. But sure. um, I still like value. I still rely on those skills all the time because that's like it's all about sort of curiosity and inquiry. So, how do you think about that then as a boss? Because I know you have a team now. Yeah, I am. And um, you know, how much do you kind of allow people to come learn on the job versus what they're walking in the door with? Are you are you conscious about those choices? Yeah, um, I definitely, I definitely think about it a lot when I'm hiring, and I take risks, which we'll see if they, <laughs> they pay off all the Good. time. Yeah. But I think sometimes, I what I really try to prioritize is people who can express themselves well, but be incredibly curious and are plugged in all the time. Like, yeah. if you can com combine those things, you can get you can get pretty far. I think. Yeah. And you can learn a lot because there's no one, there's not that many people who could have possibly have like that similar of an experience. Sure. So we've got people who are video producers on the team. We've got people who are journalists. A lot of people are journalists on the team. We've got uh, people who were, um, uh, who've worked in like other sort of creative gigs yeah. and stuff. None of them have a marketing background. None of us do. We, we, right. A lot of what we do like serves a marketing end, but like requires a different skill set from, from traditional marketing. So you know, I think at the end of the day, like what works for us is not just being able to like run, you can hire all the data analysts you want, but like it's a combination of humans and data that you can actually, you need to both to really interpret what's happening. Sure. So I mentioned earlier how, you know, you've kind of stepped out mm -hmm. at least to be one of the faces of the brand with Videocracy, the book and the TED talk. Yeah. Um, What's that do? How does that change the game for you? How does it change kind of your daily life after, after a TED talk or? Yeah, or yeah. I mean, it's really confused the hell out of my parents. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, so like I don't get you, but you're on TV, but then you're also doing. You know, it's like they're very, on the computer. Yeah, it's just like really funny, um, and they're they're great about it, and they like really love it. They love right. it. There's like no greater treasure to them than when I'm on morning TV, so they yeah, can brag sure. about it to everybody. But yeah, of course, um, you know, it's that's just all sort of happened. I think. Um, 
uh, the, the, I had done public speaking a long time and when uh, the opportunity for, the, for TED came up um, and the talk went really well, yeah. um, there are, there's a huge appetite for people to not be, not always be like to talk to about like what's happening at YouTube, what the developments are in terms of like our product and our business, but to understand the content in a deeper way because you know, YouTube is for you and so for many people whose businesses rely on interacting with it, their their perspective of it is shaped by whatever it is that they experience on the site or what their friends right. tell them or whatever. And so there's a real value to that. So then like once that happened, like, you know, I get tons of speaking stuff all the time and sometimes it's really interesting. And so sure. I go, like I get to come here and, and, yeah. and, 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 and speak at this and then. Hi, I'm Kevin Alaka. Uh, I'm the trends manager at YouTube and I professionally watch YouTube videos. That's true. Through the course of that, uh, you know, I got approached by a literary agent who was like, I'd love to like, he's like, what do you think about writing a book? And, and he's like, about your TED talk. And I was like, well, it's like a seven minute talk that is mostly videos. <laughs> um, but I actually think there's a book that is about this that would be super interesting. And we got like, you know, really excited about it. And then, you know, I spent basically, you know, two years, you know, pulling it all together. Wow. And, um, which, yeah, speaks to how you got to really be passionate about something. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and that amount of time took a lot of time. I took sabbatical from the office and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, but... It was fascinating because um, the biggest outcome of all these things is actually just gets me my understanding much deeper because you have yeah. to spend the time synthesizing your perspective on stuff. Just like you, when you write something or when you like, you know, interview someone, you're like forced to like collect your thoughts about what that thing actually means. Sure. And so that's how you get a lot smarter about stuff. And so at the end of the thing that's like had the biggest impact for me is I just like feel like I know a lot more now because I've mm -hmm. like had to spend that time collecting those, those things. Yeah. Um, and it's been like, it's, it's, it's super fun. I get to meet lots of interesting people because of it. And um, I think the, the biggest thing is that, like, I, you know, I'm, it's, I'm not the traditional executive that speaks that stuff. So I, I get to, like, tell a different type of story, which I really enjoy. Yeah. That's very YouTube of you. I guess. Um, uh, I want to talk about music for a minute. I yeah. I know you have to go get on stage. Oh, um, so, obviously, music's been a huge part of YouTube yeah. from the beginning. Um, you know, pre-streaming. And so, how is music changing on the site uh, in, in the current era of Spotify and Apple and all that? Yeah, I think there's, you know, and this is one of the things I'm going to talk about in, in this speech I'm about to give. One of the first things that's super interesting is I think a lot of our traditional concepts of genre are starting, and you hear this a lot, like this genre fluidity that's happening in music, and yeah. you really see it on YouTube, right? Sure. Like the we have we keep, we track a bunch of records, right? So we track like the biggest twenty-four hour debut of a music video, right? It gets, it's been broken twice so far this year, both by K-pop groups like BTS and, and Blackpink, right? Yeah. If you look at the most viewed music videos globally last year, eight of the top ten are in Spanish, mm -hmm. you know, which is like. You're, so we have this this language thing that's happening. You have like in the U.S. we just say like <clears throat> we say we call Spanish language music Latin, right? right. But it's like it's that's kind of like we like calling um, like all American music American, you right. know? Like it's just like sure. you know it doesn't really yeah, yeah. there's a million different genres all, of things right. and like you know and so but now that, but it, it used to be limited to these different sort of channels in which were built around those genres and now it's not we freely kind of mix genres when we're consuming stuff because recommendation algorithms aren't really built around those types of taxonomies you know right so the genre thing is changing i think you also have the like this rise of like people who don't need to go through traditional distribution channels to get discovered you know my favorite story lil nas x right now you know yeah. he's a guy just trying to make it happen from atlanta he's like 19 or 20 now and 
uh, you know, he puts out his stuff and like, you know, spreads it through memes and now yeah. it's the biggest song in the world, you yeah. know, like it's, and that like, he would have had to go through an entirely different process, you know, and now he's with a label and like they're right, helping right, him right. grow his sure. career and everything, which there's sure. an important, a hugely important role the labels play in developing talent, but you don't necessarily need to start there anymore and you can prove yourself in different ways. So you get lots of different voices and like perspectives and genres that we wouldn't have seen before. And yeah, where that stuff is coming from is, is totally different. Like I listened to so, I mean, I grew up in Miami, so there's a bit more Spanish music, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Latin right. music around, but like, yeah. um, they, you know, I listened to so little music from outside the US and now like you, we just have access to all this stuff. Yeah, of course. You know? And you actually, you could see inter internationally how much like hip hop is a thing like all over the world. Like, you know, there's a version of hip hop in every possible culture. German hip hop is like huge. You know? Sure. Um, and do you, have a, do you have a favorite German hip hop act? Oh, there are plenty. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it actually it's funny how it now is becoming a thing again. So it was a thing when I was growing up, yeah. and then it was kind of died down, and then there's like this no, completely whole era. And to be honest, only because YouTube exists and all right. these kids go ahead, upload their stuff, upload their videos, and have this massive audience where, ten or fifteen years ago, they would really have like needed all the money to become popular and famous, and that's not needed anymore. So. Amazing. I mean, it's introducing all these kind of interesting questions about appropriation and stuff as well. Sure. But like, I think it's a really, it's fascinating to watch that all, that all unfold. If you're enjoying this one, we can go back in the Rebel Radio archives, check out my interview last year at Can Lions with the one and only DJ Mick. Uh, you might know Mick from the summertime mixtapes or um, his great parties that he's playing all over the world. The dude is a force. And he also has some great things to say. Uh, you can check that out after you finish up here. So how, uh, you know, I have this weird relationship. Like on the one hand, I appreciate access to all this information yeah. and I, I benefit from it daily. On the other hand, you know, there's this impending feeling that we're just constantly drowning in content. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think streaming video in particular, but music too, is like, there's more great stuff than I'll ever be able to listen to for the rest of my life. Yeah. Already existing. Forget about what's created and uploaded every single day, right? Yeah. And so, um, and I'm sure you have, you know, similar experience, I imagine. And yet, so, so we have this kind of need for curation and algorithms and that. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, that comes under fire when we see those misused or, or even sometimes people just don't understand how they work. Yeah, yeah. So what, What's your view of that? How 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 do you see it, and how does YouTube kind of see the like balance between curation and, and self discovery, and and where the hand is too heavy, and all of that? Yeah. So I think the way that that we we think about it is like, how do you make sure that like how do you create an environment where anybody's voice can you know that that is within reason can get accessed by other people right how, yeah. how can you make sure that like you don't have to be greenlit by somebody how do you make sure that you don't like have to go through like a, a you know traditional channels to be discovered while at the same time maintaining a high level of responsibility around what is contained in those both in the pool of stuff that exists on the site and what we get what we recommend to people and right. what gets ads put against it you know yeah. and you have to think about all those things increasingly nuanced in increasingly nuanced ways because you know YouTube is this reflection of all of, uh, of humanity in a way, right it's, it inherits 
all the different perspectives and things that are happening in, in different places. And so those challenges are constantly evolving and, and things. So you have to kind of attack each of those those those, those challenges specifically and um, and directly. So and I, I don't think like we. I, the, because of the scale that we're at, which is like 500 hours of content every minute being uploaded, you know, you, you have to use like personalization and, sure. and, and recommendations to give people the experience they want. And um, it's what's enabled sort of so many of these young voices to get discovered and, and people to connect around things that they never had, like, just to, to be able to see people on screen that they never like were able to see on screen before. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you ha like there have to be guidelines and there have to be structures in place to review and to maintain the quality of the, those those pools of content. Mm -hmm. um, you know, YouTube's created this industry of influencers mm -hmm. among, you know, other platforms, right? And people that whose job it is to be celebrities on, on the platform. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of those people are now starting businesses and mm -hmm. trying to sell products with varying success. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, I think we, we sort of overuse the term influence to just mean anyone that can capture anyone's attention. Yeah, that's and true. And we, um, you know, in, in my mind, there's a separation between someone who's able to get views and clicks versus someone who's able to sell. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, how, how do you... How do you think about that, whether it's, you know, in, in what brands are doing on the platform or um, or the creators? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's it's simply about relevance, right? Like, so, yeah. like, sometimes it really works when you have the, a, a brand that has a product that aligns well with a, with a creator that, like, you know, talks about that genre of thing or their audience, like, is interested in that type of thing and stuff. And so sometimes, like, it's, it's as simple as, okay, like, this person is credible on this topic, so you know, that's the right. person that you want to be engaged with. So if the, like, there's a person you go to for tech reviews, like that's who you'd want to like be advertising with in terms of, you know, their, their, if you're a technology company, you know, sure. or if you're, if you're, you know, you see it all over the beauty industry, right? Like that's their beauty industry is like heavily involved, invested now in, in, right. in that world because those are people who are credible on that thing. So it really actually comes down to, to credibility and, mm -hmm. and things. And part of why the YouTube crowd has been so successful is, like video and like frequent connection over video like really builds a rapport and a trust I think that people have and a lot of these you know you said like these these people their job is to be professional celebrities or, or whatever and it's like that's like that happened to be their job in a way for a lot of them like they didn't set out to necessarily do. now they're starting sure. to see it more but like yeah. uh, you know a lot of them just sort of happened and right. so they were just they wanted to talk about one thing or they wanted to just like connect with lots of people around one thing and then it turns out that that connection is has value you know in, in, in the market so um you know i think that for for us there's like different ways to think about it one is like okay can you partner with creators or can you you know can you do branded content or are there, are there sort of like right pairings but then there's also like okay how do we just make sure that we target the right audience or you know for the content category that you're interested in um through the right types of ad formats which can also be really effective and it's less about the influencer quote unquote influence and more about the audiences that are able to come in and they're able to capture that aren't really anywhere else uh, to be able to grab yeah cool all right I have a little lightning round before I let you go cool. a um, couple quick questions what's your favorite city to travel to Paris I'm going there after this it's awesome yeah uh, I'll, I'll hit you up for recommendations yeah I love it 
Who's your favorite DJ? Oh man, this is really hard. Um, um, oh man, what is it? Um, I'm blanking on uh, RJD2. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, what is the last great book you read? Um, that was really good. Um, I really loved, uh, I've read some other books that were really good after this, but I loved, um, John Ronson's So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Oh yeah. Just, I think about it all the time. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Why? What? Well, what I just think it's like, it, it, he, 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 he's such a great storyteller, great but book. he like, he just like, he captured this very modern phenomenon that is, makes you feel powerless sometimes, but also like makes you feel really thoughtful when I look at things that are playing out online. Like, you know, I spend a lot of my life on Twitter, on YouTube, on different social media platforms, and sure. you see these phenomena playing out and you just realize how quickly something can, can spiral because of the contextual elements of it. And I think he really captured that in an in interesting way. Yeah. What movie have you seen the most in your life? <laughs> um, Braveheart? Like, when oh, okay. I was when I was in, like... That's a heavy lift. When, I know, like, but when uh, I was in middle school, I was, for some reason, obsessed with this movie. And, like, really? I would, like, watch it all the time. And yeah. it's, like, now I'm a little bit, like, that's kind of a weird one, but it's tr it's fact. I mean, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Um... <laughs> Okay, so when I was leaving, uh, when I was leaving, Bo I went to school in Boston. I was leaving Boston, and I should have gone to LA because I wanted to be a comedy writer. And like, mm -hmm. and I had a bunch of friends that were just moving to New York, and I was like, you know what? It would be, like, this is my one shot to be 23 in New York. Yeah. So I'm just gonna go to New York for a year and like just try to figure it out. And uh, I did, and then it just totally changed my entire life. I wouldn't yeah, probably sure. be working in technology, like a, you know, just it's I'm now like full through and through New Yorker, but. Um, this that small thing of being like, yeah, maybe I'll push LA back. Like, yeah. My life. yeah. And finally, if um, if I worked on your team, yeah. what's something I would hear you say over and over? <laughs> um, um, it would be, um, don't assume you understand something. Mm. Um, because I think like where we get into trouble all the time is like thinking we know why something is popular or thinking we know how popular something is when we have the ability to actually just spend a couple extra minutes to like unpack that thing because half the time it's not what you think it is really you know yeah like there's just so many genre, like the best my favorite story in the book that i wrote is about this these elevator videos and i found these guys who were posting hundreds of videos of insides of elevators just like filming elevators up and down and i was like man people are just so weird on the Why internet would they do that and then i i interviewed him for the book and he's like he had asperger's and he said that 75 percent of his audience were people with autism wow. and that like for people who are artistic like there's there's for people with autism there is a uh, certain element of that that is really that is really impactful for them mm. and so like they it's actually an autism outreach channel that looks like an elevator video channel. wow it's like man i don't know anything yeah you, know, you wouldn't like, have caught that yeah you wouldn't have figured that out so you can assume wow that's great. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. you. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, that was Kevin Alaka from YouTube on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you um, leave us a comment on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever you like. We're at Rebel Radio Net. You can also check out videos uh, on our YouTube channel. Speaking of YouTube. Uh, we're putting up videos every week from different episodes. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.